The uh, communion meditation is from Genesis 4. It's another message in the uh, Jesus in Genesis series. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and stand uh, as we read God's word. And I'll read verses 1 through 10. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Father, we thank you for your word uh, that is just so painfully uh, truthful in sharing with us uh, not only our sins, but the sins of all who have come before us. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would open up our hearts, uh, that you would continue to work on us to conform us to the image of your Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and ask your blessing. Amen. You may be seated. It's the thought that counts. Have you ever heard that phrase? You know when you heard that phrase, when you got a gift that you didn't like so much and your mom said it to you. It's the thought that counts. Uh, Imagine an 11-year-old boy getting a gift from grandma, and he opens it up, and it's like a toddler picture book. And his mom says, it's the thought that counts. Well, that little boy might rightfully think, well, what was grandma thinking then? What if grandma gets him a new bicycle and he's all excited and he goes out to the garage and it's a girl's bike? It's pink. What was grandma thinking? Uh, As I was looking into this, uh, I read about one. uh, It was like at a bad gifts site. I tell you, you can find a site for anything. But but the bad gifts site had this story, and it was just so funny. Uh, Newlyweds, they're back from their honeymoon. They've got all their presents before them, so they're going to take two or three hours and enjoy this. So they set this one gift aside. It looked so special. So they save it for last. And when they get to it and they open it, it's a plastic hamster that you can wind up and stick in a plastic ball and have it roll around your house. (laughs) That was their most precious gift that they saved for last. So you have to ask yourself, what were they thinking? Who bought that gift for this couple? Uh, I believe there's biblical justification for us to not just buy the platitude, it's the thought that counts, because you have to get beyond just them wanting to give you a gift. It has to be a gift that is worthy of the person receiving the gift. That's what gifts are all about. 
It's not about the thought. It's about the thought that went into getting them the perfect gift. So that little boy getting a book that's, you know, seven years beyond his reading ability or getting a plastic wind-up hamster as a newlywed couple, these aren't very thoughtful gifts. Cain brought fruit of the ground, and Abel brought firstborn of his flock. God did not respect Cain and his offering. Abel offered the right gift. He offered what was required by God, and Cain did not. Cain's gift reflected his character. And that's why it says, God did not respect Cain. It doesn't just say God did not respect Cain's gift. It says God did not respect Cain. So Cain bore the brunt of being rejected by God because his gift reflected his heart. He came to God with his character unchanged as an unbeliever, and he wanted to give that to God. This is me. Accept me as I am. And God rejected him. God didn't accept Cain as he was. Now, how did Cain respond? It's the way many people respond when they're rejected or their gift is rejected. He was outraged. He was incensed. God rejected him. And Cain did not try to hide it. His countenance fell. He was not trying to deceive God. He perhaps couldn't. Even if he was the best actor on earth, perhaps, he could not uh, hide from God what was in his heart. So, Cain lures Abel out into the field and kills him. I believe he probably lured Abel out on a pretense for the purpose of killing him. This was premeditated. Cain could not kill God. Therefore, he killed Abel, his brother who was made in the image of God. And so it goes still. When we hear of murders, it's the image of God that's being killed. That's why God takes great offense at murder. It's not just that person that's being killed. It's a person that is made in God's image. Now, this message is called Jesus and the blood. Jesus and the blood. God said this, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. Now, my question to you is, what was it crying for? What was Abel's blood asking of God? Vengeance. He wanted to be avenged for this wrongful death. So that's what Abel's blood cries out from the ground. And it's what any murder victim's blood cries out from the ground, for vengeance, for justice. Now, let me read Numbers 35, verse 33. Blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. So any blood that is unrighteously shed, that bleeds into the ground, it cries out to God for justice. And justice is the blood of the one who caused it. That's true justice. That's the only biblical definition of justice. The justice of the one, or the blood of the one who committed the act must go into the ground. He must be executed. Now, many of us have blood on our hands. Let me ask you, uh, how many women have had abortions? How many men have participated 
in those abortions, whether believer or unbeliever, but then just restricted to the believers, restricted to the believers who actually did it as a Christian. And you have many, many women who've done this. You have many, many men who have participated in it because they just want the convenience of escaping from something, the typically sin. Some man got a, a mistress pregnant. He doesn't want his wife to find out. Some uh, father is too prideful and doesn't want someone to find out that his daughter got pre pregnant out of wedlock. This is all blood that pours into the ground and cries out for justice. And the blood of Jesus is provided for that. Let me read Deuteronomy 32:43. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. The blood of the righteous atones not only for the sin committed, but also for the land into which the blood poured. That land is defiled by that unrighteous spilling of blood. And yet the only thing that can atone for the sin and for the land is the righteous act of the execution of the person that committed it. But we know that we are those people. It's not just Cain killing of Abel. It's our wanting to kill anybody. It's this uh, anger that Jesus said, you're guilty of murder in your hearts. So this has been provided for us. And let me read. Now, the reason this all comes together is because the writer of Hebrews gave us a commentary on this verse. Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, whose blood speaks better things than that of Abel. What did I say that Abel's blood speaks earlier? It cries out for vengeance. But what does Christ's blood cry out for? Mercy. So you've got vengeance and you've got mercy. So God's mercy is extended to us in Christ's blood to cover over all of the unrighteous sin that has spilled blood on our land. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for the fact that you have provided this solution to a problem that plagues our earth. Uh, we humans sometimes err in thinking that we can provide an answer to this, but Lord, we can't. And so we thank you for the fact that you have provided Christ. You have avenged yourself upon evil, and yet you've poured out your own son's blood to do that. And Father, we are evil. We uh, know that you have uh, provided for us and saved us, and so we give you thanks. We ask you now, Father, to remind us as we come to the Lord's table that it is symbolic of Christ's blood poured out for us, the mercy of God. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.